Welcome everyone to another episode of the Definitive Crusades. I am your host as always, joining the machine Hughes, and joining me this week is my compadre from across the pond, Freya. How's it going? It is peachy keen. Peachy keen, <laughs> there you go. So the observant of you will see that it's just Freya and I. That's right, everyone. We are the Just Us League. <laughs> and this is when people switch off. <laughs> and we lost like 50 percent. i was like oh my god yes yes i went there yes i said it well you know this is on no. this on topic right it's on point for this week i suppose um right so before we get into um a little bit of a discussion around the snyder cut which to be fair you'd expect us to do right we're not just going to leave that alone uh we've got three books to choose from first book up <sighs> you know when, uh, when we dived out the books, we decided that as a punishment for some mild infraction that we would go with this book for um, one of our colleagues. But unfortunately, um, it's blown back in our face because obviously he's not here. That's terrible. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about Joker number one. So let me just bring this up for you so we can all have a look at it. He says, looking for it frantically. There we are. Joker number one, also featuring Punchline. Well, I say featuring Punchline. It's uh, it's a, a give and take on that one, I'm afraid. So um, we'll start us off with some some stats. So we'll talk about the first part first. So it's written by James Tinian IV, art by Gwilla March, colours by Arif Prianto, and letters by Tom Napolitano. Excellent. Okay. Considering we picked this with Josh as a punishment, how we got stiff with it is beyond me. But Oh, we're just lucky, I guess. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So this book's out in the shops now, so we can go. You don't have to do spoiler freeze. It's out there. You can go and pick it up anytime you like. So Freya, take it away. What did you think of uh, the Joker book? Honestly, it shouldn't have even been called Joker. Um it, it, okay. This is more of a Commissioner Gordon story. So uh -huh. I was expecting, like, like you know, how Punchline was just Punchline mm -hmm. and Catwoman was cat is Catwoman. Mm -hmm. This one, I mean, it's Gordon. He's talking about how, you know, Joker... You know, he, he talks about a lot of the villains, but he talks about how Joker has, like, screwed up his family, which is true throughout the comics. Mm -hmm. He attacked Barbara, and like, in, I think in some of them, he killed Commissioner Gordon's wife and baby and just... All sorts of things. Well, so so you're absolutely right. So obviously the Barbara Gordon thing everyone knows about. He also uh -huh. killed Sarah Essen, which was uh, Commissioner Gordon's second wife. And that happened as part of, I want to say it's part of, uh, I'd have to take a guess, but it's when the earthquake happened. What was that storyline mm -hmm. called? No Man's Land. It's part of No Man's Land. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we all know what happened to James Gordon Jr., so, yeah cool so, it, yeah so i mean like i said it shouldn't i don't think it should be called joker because it's a commissioner gordon story this so happens to have joker and i'm <laughs> so done with joker at this point i just uh, they have made joker just overrated he is now the most overrated batman villain he used to be the coolest one now he's just the most overrated because he's just so 
boring now. I just roll my <laughs> eyes every time I see a Joker story. I'm like, oh, goody. Another Joker story. Oh, goody. Joker's showing up again. Yay. <laughs> it's just annoying. And, and so, like, the only interesting part that I found the most interesting was actually the part where Gordon's talking about, like, he's in Chicago. Uh-huh. And the um the older cop is talking about when he uh ran into like when he saw the true face of evil on like page five. Yeah, yeah. He he walked in on a guy eating a seventeen year old girl's face. <laughs> you know, like, you he's like, Hey, you want some? And he's like, That's yeah. when you know and, and I'm like, Yeah, because cops see some of like the creepiest and grossest crap, man. And like, yeah, I was like, I kind of agree with that point. Like, because I've said it on the podcast, like, when does this person like stop being a, because some people are not people anymore. They're monsters. Like no human being can do that to another person or, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's a good shout. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good thought. Yeah, it's good thought. I, thought. I thought that was the most interesting part of the book. And then like, mm-hmm. he kind of just Gordon monologuing through 90% of the book. And mm-hmm. then at the very end, he gets picked up, and she wants this. What is her name? Cassia. I, I won't call Cassie her Cassia. Yeah. Um. She, she. Where did she say her name on page? Cressida. You got Cressida? that bit spot on. Yeah. Cool. Well done. Um. Right there. Uh, yeah. Cressida. Cressida is there. Bang on there. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well done. And so yeah, and then that's. That's the end of the book. The rest of it's Jim monologuing. <laughs> so like <laughs> As you as you do, of course. As you do. Yeah. As you do. Okay. Did you feel that this book had a bit of a year one vibe? Mm, a little mm, yeah, a little bit. But like I don't know. <laughs> I was I'll just say yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Okay, cool. So um I didn't mind this book. To be honest, uh, well, mm-hmm. I tell, I'm going to say it. I'll start again. I didn't mind the first half of this book. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, I like to see um, Gordon have a little bit of the ramifications of what happened to him because obviously the thing with the Batman who laughs kind of fell by the wayside for us because we we just weren't invested in the whole mm-hmm. Batman who laughs storyline. So um, whilst City of Bane was going on. There's no, there's no Gordon in police headquarters. Then of course the Joker War. There's still no Gordon kicking around. Um, you know, this kind of addresses the balance a little bit. It's James Tinian, so you know that he's going to be planning for the for the big, the big reveal elements and the big story points. Um, the Year One vibe. It's there in some of the art the, when you were talking about the Chicago stuff. It, it came across from there. The way the fonts, the letters by Napolitano has that year one, like diary scribe feel. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was an interesting take. I think you're absolutely right, though. I think the Joker has become Batman's Daleks. Yeah. Yeah, or Star Trek's Borgs. You know, they just, they just has no threat anymore. You know, he's, he's overused to the max. There is nothing left that the Joker can do that's going to shock the readers anymore, you know? Um, and that was part of the charm of the Joker, was the fact that he didn't expect it, everything to be sort of, like, um, so deranged, you know? I mean, what he did to Jason, Barbara, James Gordon Jr., Sarah Essen, you know, all the, all the things he's done since then. You know, I mean, 
what's he really done? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, in a, a horror movie, mm -hmm. uh, it's like the villain. And I'm not talking slasher movies. I'm talking like an actual horror movie, like mm -hmm. where the it's scary until you see the monster. And then the more you see the monster, the less scary it is. And it's yeah. the same thing with Joker. The like he was creepy because he would pop up and do something completely crazy, you know, completely yeah. out there. But now that he's just popping up so often, it's just not. It, he's not horrifying anymore. There's nothing about him anymore. You're like, oh, it's just another day in Gotham. Joker's doing something again, you know. <laughs> and it's it's a shame because Batman has like the best arsenal of villains, and they just. Oh, we got to use Joker for everything. <laughs> it is true. It is true. We can't seem to see past their own, uh, their own nose when it comes to Joker. Bless mm -hmm. them. They very much are um, focused on that. Um, the second part of this book was something that I'm sure everybody was quite looking forward to. You know, Punchline was a bit of a revelation, I think, during Joker War. Everyone kind of got into her and stuff. Um, so this is Punchline, Chapter 1. Written by Sam Johns uh, with James Tinian the Fourth, art by Mirko and Dolfo, colours by Romolo Fajardo Jr. and letters by Adriana Meyer. Is it me or is my my name pronunciation getting actually pretty damn good now? I, I think I'm, pretty, I'm doing all right there, aren't I? Yeah. Wait till later. I'm sure I'll screw something up. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, but uh, I I was so looking forward to this. And then, by the same token, as soon as we get it, I am so done with it. It's, yeah. it's focused on two characters that I could actually care less about. I mean, um, Harper and her brother, really? Mm -hmm. you know? There's nothing in here that screams particularly punchline. It just, she comes across more like a, a secondary at Harley Quinn for me. And I thought that was the idea she was supposed to be different from Harley. I don't yeah. know. They're they're kind of smashing her into the Harley mold for some reason. Yeah. It's kind of annoying. The only thing I'm getting from Punchline that I'm like I I kind of like how they're kind of tying in um the Batman Beyond universe with like the clown gangs and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting so, like it's kind of cool because it's like the origin of the clown gangs of like how they're teenage kids and crap. But yeah, she's kind of I don't know. I, I'm gonna give it more time, but I agree with you. She's kind of turning more into Harley, and it's bugging me. <laughs> so you're not into the clown, but you like his gang. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> and, and, um, I, I kind of I, I also agree with you about like uh Bluebird? Is her name Bluebird? Okay. Because yeah. I, I I like I said when they introduced her in the punchline book, I didn't even know who it was. I'm like, who is this? And you <laughs> had to tell me who it was. I'm like, I oh, okay. And um I still have problems with her code name because I freaking watched Bat Thumb many years ago and so I have Blue Jay stuck in my head. <laughs> like, it's not Blue Jay, it's Bluebird. But like yeah, I don't give a crap about her brother. Her brother her whole plot point just I don't care. I don't care about these characters. But I always say that they need to create new characters and give them time. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I can't be too mean because you know I keep saying oh gotta make these new characters and stuff. I'm like, okay. 
I'll give you guys more time with these characters before I really like start shredding them to pieces. But at this point, I don't really care. I especially don't care about her brother because I'm like, it's it's kind of like a superhero and then their sibling. And I'm like, why do I care about their sibling? Like if like like if a uh, freaking uh, Dick Grayson had a, a younger sister or something, and she doesn't, she's not a superhero or anything. I'm like, mm-hmm. why do I care? <laughs> yeah. And that's why most superheroes, if not all, are single, like, just uh, one child, you know, they have no siblings, <laughs> you yeah. know, because no one cares about their siblings because their siblings are boring in comparison yeah, to the <laughs> siblings. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Talk about uh, sibling envy. All right. Okay. <laughs> so let I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of context for this. How, just off the top of your head, mm-hmm. how long's Harper Raw been around? Just off the top of your head. I don't know. <laughs> it will be 10 years this, really? September, this September. Her first appearance was Batman Volume 2, Number 1. This is the... Um, the re, uh, re, no, before the Rebirth one. This is the new, new 52 Batman Number 1. She's been around since that long. 10 years. Jeez. Well, then she just... Falls into that category of like they create a character and then abandon them immediately. Yeah. And they I should think, have they should have stuck it out because now I just want to completely right. shred this character. <laughs> 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 you don't like him. I think the I think the issue for Harper and her brother is the fact that the Scott um, Scott Snyder creations and Scott Snyder mm-hmm. creations generally stick with Scott Snyder. So when he left when he left uh, the Bat Books, then they have no impact. Also, I think. Um, a little bit um, they didn't know what to do with her. At one point, it seemed like she was going to have some sort of entanglement with, with Cass, the Batgirl, mm-hmm. uh, orphan, Batgirl. Um, and then it looked like at times she was going to have a, a relationship with Steph, the spoiler, the spoiler Batgirl. It seems now that Spoiler and Cass are kind of doing their own thing and, and Harper's left on the sidelines uh, because she hasn't been used throughout that whole uh, recent arcs. So... Is this a way to kind of get it back in the forefront? I don't know. Does the book read like a social commentary? Oh, the Punchline book read like a social commentary? Yeah, it does a little bit. And you know what? I just want to be entertained. I don't yeah. particularly. I don't need to hear kids arguing about. Well, I believe this person. You believe that person. It's like, well, yeah. Um, I'm disappointed in the art. Um, I love. I love Merca Randolfo's work on some of her um, indie stuff. Um, this is just a little bit too, and I guess because it's you know DC, you've got to stick with the whole, you know, got to stick with the icons. You cannot change them too much. Um, so I, I would have preferred to see more of the um, essence of Andolfo's work, which is a shame because I thought Gwilym March absolutely killed it on the Joker story. But hey ho! <laughs> All right, there you go. So that's been out out and about for a while. Go check it out. Um, it's the first book. Or one of the first books to have the new DC uh, main story backup story format that um, is going to cost you a little bit of money at the uh, old comic book store. Whether or not you think it's worth it, that's entirely up to you on that one, I'm afraid. Um, okay, next up, um, we've got your choice. Yeah. Which is, yay, which was a little bit of a surprise choice, I have to say. Um, so we are going with. Although, to be fair, I know you love one of these characters. 
All right. Can we all say that? There we are. Excellent. We're going with Challenge of the Super Sons. Uh, this is, um, before we get too far into it, this is a digital first book. So what this basically means is you don't have to worry about continuity. Yay. Yeah. Woo. All right. So written by Peter Tomasi. Uh, I did it, didn't I? I screwed yeah. myself up earlier. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Peter Tomasi. <laughs> with art by Max Rayner. Colours by Louis Guerra. Uh, letters by Rob Lee. All right, there you go. Um, I know how much you love Damien, so there you go. Take mm -hmm. it away. <laughs> yeah, so I actually like the Super Sons because um, I like the Damien-John uh, friendship because mm -hmm. they, they do play off each other. Like, John's <laughs> just like... Uh, he's like a stereotypical kid, and then there's Damien, who has been forced to grow up way too fast, so he mm -hmm. kind of more has the mind of an adult, but he's still a kid, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it's just kind of fun to see them play off of each other, um, and in this, um, <laughs> I'm happy that you don't have to know what's going on, really. So, yeah, like, there's, there's that element, like, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, they're, they're saving Cyborg, and why like because yeah so anyway <laughs> i really liked it i like how childlike you can totally see the difference with like um on page what page the uh, eight where you know damien's like you can create anything you want in your mind we're gonna go save cyborg and so damien creates oh like a mech suit and all these little drones with guns and you know yeah. and all these things and then what does freaking John do? He creates himself a pony. Because <laughs> why not? So, <laughs> and the thing about this is, like, it's definitely geared towards more kids. Yeah. But it's more fun. And so I give it a pass on a lot of, like, the ridiculousness because it's for children. Um, and it's just, it's also something, it's nice to get away because there's no Joker. So that's a plus. Um, it is. And the artwork, um, I don't hate it, honestly. It, it kind of fits with the tone. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of has like a like a Saturday morning cartoon type of vibe to it, yeah. um, which I liked. And then, I don't know. I think, I guess, from what I'm getting from this book, they have like a to-do list. They're just going around doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. There's so there's some other element to this story that obviously because we've not looked at any of it in the past, we have no idea what's going on. But mm -hmm. um, I think yeah, they've got a to do list. I think um, Faust and someone else gave them the list to to sort out. I think there's a reference to it later on. Where was it at? Towards mm -hmm. the end. Um, yeah, where is it? Uh, it's on page twenty-two, Damien. Yeah, we got next stop yeah, on our list. Yeah, geez, Faust and Savage didn't don't believe in downtime. So, so Faust and Savage have done something. So these are now going to go through the list and put right whatever one once went wrong, I suppose. Um, but um, if obviously if anybody's out there is actually reading this book, get in touch with us. And let us know. That would be <laughs> handy. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, like overall, I thought it was cute. It was fun. If you have any kids and you want to introduce them to comics and they like ba Batman and Superman, I would say introduce them to this or yeah. the Super Sons in general because it's it's 
kid Batman and kid Superman. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I started reading this book, I was like, what have you picked? I was like, Freya's doing it to me again. Aww. But then I actually enjoyed it. I was like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, the, the, the dialogue's a little bit corny in places. The whole mm-hmm. Easter bunny and do you think Santa will bring me a pony? It's like, I didn't realise when I've read the Super Sons before um, that there was such a disparity between age-wise or seemingly age-wise between Damien and John. I thought they were quite comparatively the same age. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, we know Damien's around 13, thanks to a Teen Titans book because it was his birthday in mm-hmm. on one of the issues. Um and we know that John was too young to join the Teen Titans. Yeah. So, but if he's like 11, how many 11-year-olds still believe in not only, you know, Santa Claus, but mm-hmm. which is real, by the way. Um, very mm-hmm. listen. Oops. Uh, and also, you know, pro wrestling. <laughs> but well, I know adults who believe in pro wrestling, so. <laughs> no comment. No comment. I am biting my tongue. Anyway, um, <laughs> where was that? So I, I just thought that, that that was quite a disparity. So if even if he's like eleven, you know, so to me, if if you're still into into the Easter Bunny and stuff like that, you're probably down at like eight, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the dialogue between the witty banter between the two characters is decent. It 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 is what it is. It's 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 supposed to be fun. It reads fun. It's great. The art style is a little bit stylized with the whole big head thing. But remember, mm-hmm. that's how Damien was drawn in the first place. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. It might be accentuated over the over the, the time, um, especially when this book was coming out in its original comic book form. Um, so you know, that's bound to carry over. Um, I found it ironic that this flying around in Superman's old toy spaceship from from the uh, late seventies, early eighties. Frey, you're not you're not as an old person as I am, so you won't remember it. Maybe I don't know. No, no. I didn't. <laughs> so this this ship, this ship with the fists that that used to be a toy. You used to be able to buy that toy like a like a diecast dinky thing. You used to mm-hmm. you get like a bigger version that's like that, um, and you get like a little version, and then you press a button and the fists come out like that. So I think this whole merchandising thing that came out back in the back in the late seventies, early eighties, like why would Superman need a spaceship? Why does Spider-Man need a car? All those sort of stuff came out, you know. And you know, you know Mech Spider-Man is the best. <laughs> Mech is like Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, Japanese Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, I will. I can totally see them uh, releasing this toy again. Gotta get that merchandise out. Get that merch going. Yeah, um, just what we need. A, a Superman ship flown by a Robin. Excellent. Yep. <laughs> um, so I agree with you, actually. If this book. You know, if you've got young kids who are into comic books or they're just in, you want to get them into comic books, stuff like this is a great way to do it. It's not mm-hmm. too serious. It's not too violent. You know, it's a bit like Tron meets the Super Sons, you know. Um, yeah. Good shout. I like it. Good call. I like that a lot. You you have surprised me with that one. Well done. Hey, sometimes I'm nice, Johnny. Sometimes. <laughs> Whilst I try and count on my fingers and toes how many times that's actually been since I've known Freya, why don't you <laughs> listen to one of our fantastic ads for one of our other shows? Uh, we need one for your show soon, therefore. But where should we go? We have a choice. 
flip side all timers or the jank think tank which one do you think we should hit let's oh, do go, mm -hmm. go on i say think tank because last time we did old timers think tank here it goes You know, that's probably where Josh is right now, isn't he? He's probably opening mm -hmm. packs like he's probably down at Walmart. He's bought like <laughs> a shed loads of these packs of cards. He's there looking for the shinies. I know, mm -hmm. I know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, knowing where he's from, he's probably at a game store because they have them everywhere where he lives. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is this game the brand? Mm. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, we, we have game stores over here in the UK. And for the record, I hate them. Just saying. Yeah. No, where, he, where he is, it's the what they call it, the nerdiest state in the country. So, really? like, yeah, you game stores like card games and like magic shops. They're ever nope. they're like Starbucks's. They're on like every corner there. <laughs> it's crazy. Nerdville, USA. Yep. <laughs> Check it out on the map. <laughs> <laughs> it's there all right okay so we're two down one to go um and i've got to admit this is my choice god knows why i picked it i am sorry um i read somewhere that was like some big reveal in it and i was like oh okay then this would be cool to uh have a look at um we are talking about the new justice league book um so it's justice league number 59 there is the fantabulous um well Kind of fantabulous cover. Um, let's get some stats up on here. So, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez, colours by the always fantastic Tamara Bonvillain, and letters by Josh Reed. Um, I thought this was a fun little read, although I didn't like how it tied into Bendis's other projects from back when he was in charge of everything, it seems. Um, reason being that I didn't read those books because I wasn't killing the characters, so why do I need it again? Um, the art was quite clean, which I quite liked, um, and it was a nice change of pace from all the super dark stuff. Um, love seeing Canary again in the more traditional outfit with her mm -hmm. fishnets. Wit -wit. Um, I like the idea of Shaz Adam joining the Justice League, which is pretty much where we're going <laughs> with this. Um, he's a bit like the Doctor Doom of the DC Universe, you know, the both rule a country. And mm -hmm. they both don't see themselves as a villain. They just see themselves as doing what's best for uh, their respective um, mm -hmm. countries, one being Latvia, Latvia, and one being Kandak. I probably said that wrong because I've already screwed myself up over that so much. Um, the villain, it feels like a bit of a throwaway villain. At the first start of this book, I was like, what's going on? You know, is it, um, is it supposed to be Steppenwolf type thing? Is it Mongol? <laughs> what's, what's going on? Um, but generally speaking, I quite like the clean lines. 
quite like the clean lines. Um, he's on toast in, in places, but a nice little introduction to who everybody is. And there's the canary with the fishnets. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cool. Woohoo. All right. So, Justice League 59, what did you think? So, um, everyone kind of got beautified. Um, like, everyone's so pretty in this, like, face wise. <laughs> like, yeah. Adam, I'm like, geez, Adam, what happened to you? <laughs> Here's my number. <laughs> His face, I was like, geez, what happened? Your face is very, like, wow, okay, uh, yeah. I'm going to see if I can find a picture now of like um, page six, I think. Oh, there he is. He's like, I was like, geez, dude, what happened? Because I'm used to him kind of looking older and more like gruff, I guess. And now he just looks like, I I don't want to say a Kendall, but he's very pretty. And so is Superman. Like when you get to, um, well, Aquaman does too, but like when you get to like page freaking, uh, What's that page where he's doing the vision and he looks at uh, 15 because you see Adam there too. And like, <laughs> easy there, tiger. Well, I mean, it's like you see Clark and then you see Adam and like, geez, did we go back in time? Cause they look like they're in their twenties. <laughs> and Canary looks frontier. Yeah, and like you said, Canary's looking great, and you know, I I'm really happy. So I'm I'm not knocking like, oh, this is so ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but I'm fine with them looking pretty. It's better than them like not having faces. But mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. but um, well, as they don't have faces in um, page sixteen, seventeen, when they're talking the Flash, Canary doesn't. Yeah, Canary yeah. doesn't have a face. <laughs> Even she's like the main focus, but yeah, it's 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 a good read. I enjoyed it. Um, I do like Adam, but I kind of I like him more as a villain than as a superhero. It, but you know, I know he's a like I guess anti-hero, but like well, I mean, I mean he's been on he's been on the Justice Society a few times. He's been yeah, on, you know, so it's like you know, I, I quite like the fact of trying to like give it some sort of. Um, to try to bring him back into the fold a little bit. Yeah. And I feel lost because who's Naomi McDuffie? Like, what's her superhero name? Right. I have no idea, but she's the <laughs> character. Okay. She's a character from the Wonder Comics project that Bendis was working on when he was on top of um, um, Action Comics. Mm hmm. So um, she is one of those characters that have kind of uh, been created to kind of, I don't, I'm not going to say fill a void, um, but she's very much a case of um, filling a niche or filling a, um, um, a need. And it's part of, part of Bendis' world that he created. Um, mm -hmm. She was also in... Um, Young Justice as well. Um, her powers are, he says, looking through, quickly through everything. Um, light. It has to do with light. Uh, well, it's, I just kind of find it funny because we got little like things like Black Canary, Sonic Scream Warrior, yeah. Green Arrow, 
you know, insanely wealthy archer extraordinaire for everyone else. I'm like, okay, we know these characters. And then she pops up and she doesn't get one. I'm like, okay, All who right. is this? <laughs> <laughs> so Naomi McDuffie is a teenage superhero from an alternate, alternate Earth that uses energy-based powers. Uh, she's known solely as Naomi. Uh, she was discovered. She discovers that it was sent to this Earth to be preserved from uh, the destructive conqueror from her birth Earth. There you go. She has been in um, Justice League. Her powers include transformation, energy projection, energy enhanced strike, energy blast flight, superhuman strength, and superhuman durability. Uh, her main weakness is that her powers are unstable. There you go. So one minute she's going to be super great, and the next minute is like, uh-oh, battery no. low. <laughs> <laughs> no signal. <laughs> so there you go. Um, if you've been reading Young Justice, I've probably done you a massive disservice. And if I have, to all the Naomi fans out there, I seriously apologize. But you know what? There's not enough time in the day to read all the comic books, so mm -hmm. go figure. Go figure. Um, all right. Okay. Second part of this book is, of course, the return of Justice League Dark, uh, written by the ongoing writer from Ram V, um, art by Zumanko, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letters by Rob Lee. Um, so this is a tale of Merlin coming back. Um, with where goes Merlin, you also get his uh, demon infused partner in crime in Jason Blood. So, mm -hmm. be gone, be gone, the form of man will soon be upon us, it seems. Um, just a sleep dark, hashtag John and Zatanna in love. Oh, isn't that sweet? How, yeah. I'm going to be honest, I'm disappointed. When I looked at the Future State poster, it looked like Zatanna was back. Not that I'm harping on about fishnets, but it looked like she was back in the fishnets. And I picked up this book, and she's back in a normal just asleep dark thing. I'm like, what? Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think just asleep dark fits the backstory type of idea, primarily because I think Ram V writes in such a um, heavy way that there's always a lot of setup. There's always a lot of middle, and then the conclusion's always great. So I don't think getting like six or seven pages a month or a week or whatever is going to cut it for that level of pacing. Yeah. I think I would rather, I don't know what you think, but I would rather have something like a 64, 80-page special, Justice League Dark, comes out every quarterly. You pay $7.99 for it. It's part of the Black Label. That's what I would. If you want to have a book called Justice League Dark, that's where it should be. Yeah, shouldn't definitely. try and shoehorn superheroes into it, but that's just me. Your thoughts? Um, I liked the use of color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we changed your colors are nice. Right, the colors yeah. Are nice. yeah, well, because like when, when he, he summons the runes and stuff, I was like, okay, it's nice, you know, it's nice contrast. I even like the little, the flashy, the like, I don't even want to call it a flashback because they jump into it like on page 21 where it's all gray, like gray and blue. I'll go back. Yeah, you yeah. Go. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, like no, that. that one. The next one. Sorry, next one. Yeah, one. Well, they look all spirity and stuff. I'm like, I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then yeah, I agree with Zatanna's outfit. I don't know why they <laughs> put her in these. My main issue is is that it's clunky. Yeah. Um, it's a clunky outfit, and it just if you're a superhero, you don't want to wear a clunky outfit because it gets in the way. Have you tried to run in a freaking trench coat? Like, like a heavy duty trench coat? It freaking sucks, man. Like, those things are heavy. <laughs> like, supposed to be weaving spells and throwing her arms around and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. She's going to get all tangled up in her coat. So, uh, that's my main issue with Zatanna's current outfit. And, you know, it's. It, in the fishnet hand things, I had those when I was in high school. They kind of suck because they rip and crap. It's just, it, it feels like whoever designed the outfit is like my age or a little bit older because they're doing things that were like cool when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not okay. cool anymore. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I know she's been wearing this outfit for a while now. This is this is her new justice league dark outfit but i don't know man don't advertise one thing then give us something else you know yeah. um it'd be interesting to see how this book plays out because i don't i don't see the kind of correlation yet between justice league mm. and justice league dark give you know when you think of how many other characters are in the justice league you could have had like a canary green arrow backup instead you know or uh shazadam thing just to kind of bring you up to speed rather than than this and and you know just as i said just as league dark should be a black label book stick it over Definitely. there yeah. so let's have some stuff because i know ram v can write for black for black label i know he's got the the corners for that because of his um independent stuff with vault so there you go mm -hmm. cool so a bit of a mixed bag i think just as league on one hand it's it's really bright and really airy on the others it's kind of like there's just not not quite enough yet, you know. If it takes you three issues to get past the start point, you know, we kind of yeah, fix the piecing. All right, three books down. Big news this week, of course, was the release on HBO Max and Sky Cinema for everyone in the UK of the Zack Snyder Justice League cut. Bum, bum, bum. This is four hours of your life that you are never going to get back. <laughs> nope. Nope. Get the popcorn and drink maybe some nachos. <laughs> drink the nachos. That's what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dip the popcorn in the beer and drink the nachos. All um, right. Okay. So, um, so over here in the UK, this is on Sky Cinema, so I've got to read, uh, watch it um, Thursday, Thursday, I think it was. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's four hours of my life that it's like, okay, well, I watched it. <laughs> Freya, what did you think? Okay, well, <clears throat> overall, um, it was um, it was a lot better than the, the Whedon or the theatrical version that we got. Uh -huh. um, they got rid of a lot of those stupid jokes that didn't really make sense and were just out of place, like Aquaman sitting on the lasso of truth and, mm -hmm. you know, the, that really annoying, what was it, the one where Flash trips over himself and lands on top of Wonder Woman, which was also completely out of place and inappropriate. 
And also, they got rid of the scene that, where Batman is like freaking can't get his emotions in place, and he has that off collar, co- or not off collar, just that comment about um, Wonder Woman and um, freaking. I'm losing. I forgot his name. Steve. Steve, where he makes a comment about Steve, and she walks out. I'm like, really? But this isn't Batman. Why is Batman's being such a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Why is Batman? Batman, why are you such a bitch? <laughs> yeah, so it got rid of that, like all of those unnecessary scenes. It also got rid of that stupid subplot with like the Russian or the Russian family. They're trapped <laughs> in their house. And I was like, because when I first watched that movie, I was like, why do we keep cutting back to this random family? And then Superman. And then it just turns out it was a lead up to a joke of Superman being like, Oh, I gotta save civilians. And Batman's like, well, we need to save the world first. Now let, let me save the civilians first, Bruce. I'm like, you yeah. know the boxes destroy the world, right? Super just Yeah, so it got he got rid of all those stupid jokes. I was like, Ugh. but um and then also I now completely understand why um Cyborg, the the actor who played Cyborg was so pissed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because all of his things were cut. I would have been too. You know what? There is a shed load of cyborg. Well, I say cyborg. Is it cyborg? No. Or is it Blue Beetle? You tell me. Because it Mm. certainly acts like Blue Beetle. I mean, where (laughs) does extra arms come from? Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, the little arms. Okay, I gave the little arms a pass. But now we're talking about Blue Beetle. Like, I was thinking that um, the, the monsters. They look so much like Blue Beetles. I just <laughs> I was like, hey, it's Blue Beetle. <laughs> Thousands of Blue Beetles everywhere. Because they right. do. They look exactly like Blue Beetle. It's just that their color scheme's different. Um also I did I did appreciate that they thought that they um fixed the color scheme. Yeah. Because in the theatrical cut, it was so it was so cartoony in the colors. Mm-hmm. And it was overly saturated. I remember watching it I'm like, this kind of bothers my eyes a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but Snyder Cut, it's darker, the very Snyder way. Um, also, the, the, my main gripe is like, he likes slow mo too much. And so, oh, I was, whenever the slow mo would come on, I just roll my eyes and like, just. Uh. Fast forwarded <laughs> by 1.5. Is that what you did? <laughs> I was like, this is why the movie's four hours long because of all the freaking slow mo. I'm like, just get rid of the slow mo, dude. And then it'd probably be like three hours. And then I wouldn't be here for an extra hour. Kind of like 300. That movie's like 30 minutes long if you get rid of all the slow mo and make it normal speed. So here's, here's the thing with me for the slow mo I get that it's a good little kind of tool at times. And it, I get that it shows how great the CGI artists are because, let's be honest, it is CGI. Yeah. Um, but it's turned into the nine-panel page of movies. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you open a, a, like a, a, a DC epic event book, it's nine panels. Yeah. Every time you watch a Zack Snyder movie, it's slow more. It's mm-hmm. like... It works in places. I'm not saying it doesn't, but every single time. I mean, yeah. when you're playing football, and I know you would just fast forward mm-hmm. through that because I know you hate football, but do I really need to see someone try and hurdle someone in slow motion? No. 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 
it okay. works when flashes the where it works is when flash is running and everyone else is in slow-mo and yep. he's moving normal speed that's when it works and that's i feel that's the only time it should have been in this movie is when flash was moving mm -hmm. but it was for freaking everything <laughs> yeah. you know? gotta hurdle this dude and wonder woman chucks the suitcase into the air and so then we get this awkward where she's like in the air and then it's slow-mo and then we watch it slowly and then it explodes and then she gets shot and, was, and something else that bothered me um was it the amazon singing yeah <laughs> random amazon because i'm like cool the amazonian stuff is awesome and you know yeah. the whole themiscara fight battle was amazing and they Agreed. did better with that with like the temple falling into the mm -hmm. sea and you know all of that but like that that's like one of my favorite scenes was the the, the amazonians but like yeah the because it's it's cool when wonder woman shows up and then they have that like you know her little amazonian theme song but it mm -hmm. happens in the most random times like during the final battle, the, she's obviously there, and she's been fighting Steppenwolf the whole time, but then she, like, jumps over him, and then all of a sudden we have the little Amazonian ah, thing going on. I'm like, I didn't and know the she was music, singing then. I'm yeah, like, because the, the battle music all of a sudden stops, and we get the Amazonian singing thing, and I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. So I was like, this, whoever did the sound, I don't know if it was Zack Snyder, but like, no. You can't it, insert this here. And I'm like, it just <laughs> so out of place. And that's not even the only time it happened. I'm like, mm. what is this? I guess he really likes Amazonian like singing intro. Um, um okay, cool. So um other questions to ask. Mm -hmm. Was Batman in this movie? No. 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 One of the good things I liked about the Snyder <laughs> the uh Whedon cut was the um the Batman in the the criminal fight at the start of the movie when he uses him to lure out a power demon. Mm -hmm. See, I didn't like that scene, but I did like how Batman was more intelligent because mm. he kind of became like the butt of Joe. Like he, he's like, I'm rich. I'm like, no, Batman is the world's greatest detective. He's the strategist. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to be the one coming up with the battle plans and everything. But in the Snyder Cut, he took a backseat to Alfred, which is really freaking weird if you think mm -hmm. about it. Because I'm like, Alfred, <clears throat> we love Alfred. But we love Alfred not because he's, you know, the super intelligent guy who creates everything for Batman. Bruce Wayne is the one who creates everything for himself. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I like Alfred because he's the the, the parental father figure to um batman and all of the robins you know mm -hmm. and we love him for the parental thing we don't so but they kind of made him become batman and batman just was kind of the side character and it was really annoying as <laughs> like, a sidekick there you go yeah it was really irritating and i'm like can't can someone please just like make batman the world's greatest detective for once please i mean that is his thing. He's the world's greatest detective, and he is—he is rich, and he has all these gadgets and stuff. But he's supposed to be super intelligent too, you know. And so that really bothered me. Um, okay. So, <laughs> all right, let me ask you another question then. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we talk about Blue Beetle. I mean, Cyborg. I mean, yeah, he gets a <laughs> gets a, a fair shake, shake of the tail. The Flash gets mm -hmm. a fair a fair amount of um action as mm -hmm. well um 
let me ask you, mm. what was the point of this dude? Martian Manhunter. So. <laughs> what? I mean, he rocks up to talk to Lois, and then uh -huh. he rocks up to talk to Bruce, and says, I hate the fight. But dude, the fight's over. Yeah. He didn't show up. Yeah, I was like, thanks, Martian Manhunter. Thanks. I thought he would, like, be somewhere, you know, but he didn't. So I was like, okay. So my whole thing is he was just there to possibly have a Martian Manhunter movie, which I would love. But considering the studio doesn't seem to like Zack Snyder all that much, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think we'll get it. So it's just kind of like, a oh, what could have been? And it's just, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, bittersweet, I guess. I'm like, because I was excited. I'm like, yeah, Martian Manhunter. I'm like, oh, wait. We're never gonna get a Martian Manhunter movie, which is yeah, can... Martian Manhunter doesn't do a thing. Yeah, so it was lost potential, is what that was, and it upset me. It's it's like yeah, it it, it was the same thing with Dark Side. Okay, and Apocalypse. Everyone, mm. well, the Snyderverse, unless WB or. Because eighteen eighteen T bought WB. Unless they yep. decide to continue on with the Snyderverse DC universe, we're not going to get an apocalypse. Well, aren't they doing a New Gods movie? Isn't that so? Maybe Who? we'll get an apocalypse if they're doing actually doing a New Gods movie. But like, it's just wasted potential because he's like, we're gonna go and invade, and like, well, we're not because there's rumors of them rebooting the DCU already. Yep, and so. I was, I mean, I was super excited to see Apocalypse and, you know, yeah. Dark Side and everything, but like, it's it's wasted potential because this DCU is gonna get rebooted most likely, mm -hmm. and yeah, so yeah. it's the same thing with Martian Manhunter. It's just what could have been, and it's so that's why it's bittersweet because it was awesome in the movie, but then you're like, you're not gonna get this, you know. Which is sad. Because <laughs> I would love to see Dark Side. I want to see a New Gods movie with like Dark Side and Apocalypse and all that crap because it would be interesting. And I suppose it depends on how well Eternals do from mm -hmm. uh, migrate. I mean Marvel, you know, because mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta think that that's. I think that's probably the biggest risk Marvel have taken movie wise since Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, you know everyone else is pretty much brand name recognition. Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, every that's all like big brands. Talk Guardians of the Galaxy, and you have no idea who's that. Is it you know? Is it going to be Star Lord? Is the ship going to talk? <laughs> yeah. You know, is it going to have like a the energy shield? Is it going to be Vance? Is it going to be you know all these different things kicking off about which version of Guardians it's going to be? Eternals is the same thing. I hope Eternals does really, really well. I hope it does allow for uh, a greater storytelling um, opus rather than just, hey, look, big giant alien superheroes, which, based on Marvel's um, plan today, is pretty much what I think we're going to get. I'd like to see something a little bit cleverer, um, which I think fits Apocalypse and the New Gods much, much better. But, yeah, hey... Uh, what can I say? I'm, we're obviously biased over here on, on TDC, so that's cool. I'm yeah. all right with that. 
Yeah, um, but I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, it's just yeah, wasted potential. Um, did you notice the chick sniffing Hawkman's clothes? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> right. I didn't notice this, but my wife, Mrs. H, because uh, we're working from home, so she didn't watch the, the, the cut with me. She was watching it um, after the event, after I watched it. And she was like, why is that person sniffing her, his clothes? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. She was like, oh, he's, I mean, I, she, and then, of course, she went and spoke. I said, well, I mean, I would, of course. But I'm like, all right, easy. But um, no, I, did, I had you know, no idea. Didn't spot it. Did you notice know the pregnancy kit? I did. Which also, I was like, because people confuse me because they're like, oh, this movie takes place three years after Bat or Superman dies. I'm like, who knocked Lois up then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think... If I know pregnancies, <laughs> as a female, I'm pretty sure I do. They're not three years long. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. The, um, like, uh, I, think, okay. I think the timeline is a bit wonky at the start of the movie. It's, it's you know, but I don't think it's three years because you've still got like the flag hanging up on the on the tower bridge of Superman and stuff. So, yeah. Um, so, other questions I have: things like why the black Superman suit? What what's the point? It I looks mean, cool. I know, but the red and blues look cool. I think it was more to so that he uh, blended in with the group better instead of like sticking out like a sore thumb because everyone else kind of had like the darker colors going on because Zack Snyder he's wearing gold and green for Christ's sakes I know like... but with the Zack Snyder coloration of everything he kind of looks more like he's wearing like brown and dark green like hmm. it, it, it's everything's more muted even freaking Flash's outfit looks darker um mm. And so that's why I think he went with that. Honestly, all I think is was he went with, ah, it looks cool. <laughs> I mean, historically, in the comic books, in, in the comic books, the black Kryptonian suit has been used as a means to recharge Superman um, when he came mm -hmm. back from the dead back in the comic books. Um, that was the suit he would do. It was absorb solar energy quicker, which would allow him to be super. Which is fine. If that was the reason, I'd totally buy into that. However, after the event, and he's walking down the street, he pulled, he does the whole shirt pull thing. Mm -hmm. It's still the black suit. At that stage, you would have thought he would have been back in his red and blues. Maybe he's in his emo phase, like Spider Man and Spider Man Three. Oh, good God, you've got to start dancing. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> my dancing is worse than my singing, it seems. All right, okay. Um, so, would you watch it again? Um, maybe, but not in one sitting. I would definitely because they had it's like part one, part two, whatever. Mm. I'd probably get through. Um, I'd probably watch about half of it and then stop and then go live my life and then the next day finish it up. But definitely not in one sitting. That was just too much, and my head hurt. <laughs> Do you think that? couple of questions then on that just just kind of to gauge your opinion do you think that the original plan to break into episodes do you think that spoiled the person of the movie because you had to have that cliffhanger moment at the end before the next part uh... or do you think it, it, it would it have suited being episodic 
I think it would have suited being episodic. Um, but if it was episodic, then it should have been longer. And they should have had, like, kind of each episode do a background for each character, like, new character. Mm. Like, uh, Cyborg should have had more of, like, his own whole thing. Instead of having Cyborg's parts all chopped up and kind of mm. in between everyone else's stuff, it should have been all combined and, mm. like, in one part. And it should have ended with, like, Wonder Woman coming up and asking him, you know, do you yeah. want to join? And then him taking off. And then mm. the same thing with Flash. It should have been, like, all of his stuff. But let me say, I hated, I still hate Flash in this movie. <laughs> Completely. Like, this is the worst Barry Allen I have seen. And it bugs me. Um, so, but I did like his Flashpoint moment at the end, like going through time and all that. That was pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, I think if they did it that way, it would do the episode episodic better. But because it is kind of like chopped up and everyone's like background stories are kind of intermingled with each other mm -hmm. with how it's edited. Not so much. Um, mm. But also, what do you think of um, uh, freaking uh, Stephen Wolf's redesign? <clears throat> I wasn't. When I first I, I didn't mind it. I, my first thought is I don't mind it at all. It's, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it's fine. I mean, it has no no bearing on the movie one way or the other how he looks. But what it did bring to my attention was that the Snyder cut or the Snyder reimage, whatever you want to do, because this is the film that has added bits onto it. It's not the original mm -hmm. cut. It's the original cut plus. Um, it just made me realize um, how much cgi had been added into the movie and that sounds like a really ridiculous thing to say because there's a lot of cgi to start with but having the character totally redesigned kind of spoiled the um kind of spoiled the the moment it kind of took me out of the movie for a bit you know mm. and i ended up i started thinking about the the um the cgi element rather than the storytelling um because story-wise it might seem a bit tighter because of all the different origins, but it means it's also very, very bloated, especially that first hour. Um, yeah. I kind of think, well, I would have liked to have seen a, a more streamlined version of, of story rather than the, the bloatedness and the, the, the way he just sort of like uh, for Snyder focused on his own needs rather than the viewer's needs. Um, so basically, all the all this cut does is give you this element of weight. Oh, and by the way, it changes all the CGI. Um, yeah, it was all right. It was, you know, I wasn't I wasn't too to be fair. I wasn't too pissed off at the first step and move. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it it didn't bother me so much. How about you? Did you like it? Um, I did. I liked how his suit was constantly moving, and I liked the um. It, it, the metallic-y like color change, where sometimes it looked purpley, and everything. I also really liked it his redesign because they flattened his nose and gave him like yeah. seven fingers and all that. I kind of liked it because he actually looked more like a wolf, with okay. like uh, yeah. anyway, he looked more animalistic, like a like yeah. a wolf and stuff. So that's why I liked it. Um, okay. However, I, like I do agree with you. yeah, <laughs> the like was really cool. Yeah, like and then did you notice that? Um, what was it, Grandma? Gr gran granny? Granny goodness. 
Granny Goodness Granny is there, but yes, she has yes. short hair. Yeah, yep. I was like, oh, that you know, I know who these characters are, and I'm excited, but you know, but um, with the the CG element, <clears throat> they actually, um, it wasn't Stephen Wolf that took me out with the CG. It was actually the scene, Wonder Woman's en intro scene, where she's like, uh, saving all the people lined up, and she's uh -huh. ricocheting the bullets. That CG is the one that went, uh, you know, because it looked. <laughs> I don't want to say look bad because I know it takes a lot. Of, okay, it takes a lot of effort and people who do it, you know, they're very talented and all that jazz. But oh my gosh, she looked really fake. It was almost as bad as, if not as bad as the original cuts. Henry Cavill kid cell phone face. Got to leave. Say that it did. Her arms looked just fake. It looked really bad. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, and once again, not saying that the artists are not creative and blah blah, and they're not because they are, but it's still, it still looked fake. And the thing with CG, and I don't like CG too much. I like practical no, effects. Famous. So practical effects are the way to go. Um, and because if you look at like things like The Hobbit, and then mm -hmm. you look at Lord of the Rings, which one has aged better? The one that uses practical effects or the one who relied on CG? I am. I'm with you on this. I still think Star Wars A New Hope, mm -hmm. back when I saw it was just called Star Wars, when the, the Rebel Blockade runner goes over Tatooine it's chased down by the Star Destroyer, still mm -hmm. one of the best openings of a movie ever. And it's models. Yeah. yeah no CGI. And then yeah, you see stuff like um, Revenge of the Sith where they're doing all the dogfighting straight away. It's like, man, it just looks terrible. I'll tell you yeah. what I did notice about some of the CGI uh, later on in the movie, um, characters weren't well rounded, so mm -hmm. you'd find when they turned, the backs would be like straight. There would be no sort of definition. Heads would be kind of like, like cut in half. They weren't mm -hmm. fully formed somehow. They looked odd, um, which again pulled me out of the movie a little bit. Um, I suppose for our final talk, final chat about this before mm -hmm. we take a break for next. For next time, the original, the, the original, the, the wing cut stops with Deathstroke on the the yacht. This has a couple of extra end scenes. Of course, it's got the Martian bit, which we've talked about. But then, of course, you've got the, the desolate future. What did you think of that kind of interaction with the characters there? So the desolate future thing, um, it. Honestly, I don't. I don't think it should have been an ending thing. It, mm -hmm. it should have because it kind of played right into the Martian Manhunter thing. Because Bruce wakes up and the Martian Manhunter, you know, uh -huh. talks to him. I think that should have been the beginning of the movie. Martian Manhunter should have, you know, actually shown up in the Justice League, mm -hmm. and because it should have taken the place of, you know, where Batman was using the um, the 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 villain to um get the monsters because that would explain why he knew about the monsters and everything with Martian mm -hmm. Manhunter coming and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. that would have made more sense at the beginning and not an after credit scene. Mm -hmm. um, also the freaking, I know everyone's like, this is the best, you know, Joker, Batman, blah, blah, blah. Ever. Like, no, it's not. It's not the best in interaction between Joker and Batman. What are you guys, 12? This is the only Batman movie? Like, is the Snyder <laughs> movies the only Batman movies you've seen? Is this the only Joker you've seen? This is not the best Batman-Joker interaction on screen. 
I'm no. sorry. It's not. Which is it's, your favorite one then? Which was your favorite? Which is your favorite Batman Joker interaction then? If go. we're going with like big screen Joker Batman mm -hmm. interactions, um, I would go with Heath Ledger's uh, Joker and mm -hmm. um, the interrogation room scene. I really oh, like it because I do. I like when he like smashes his face into the. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I do Never like start that. with the head. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I like that scene, but I also really like Heath Ledger's Joker. Like he uh -huh. was really good, and I hate Jared Leto's Joker. His laugh, I was like, he sounds like a raspy old like cracks or chains chain smoker grandma laugh, you know, where it's like <laughs> it's like gasping mm. for air. I hate his laugh, and he was doing that stupid laugh through the entire thing. I'm like, it's not, it's not a good Joker laugh. I don't like this Joker. Why the crap is he dragging Joker around with him anyway? And mm. I'm like, if you're doing the whole injustice thing and Joker killed Lois Lane, then Joker would have been the first person that freaking Superman sought out and murdered because that's what he did in injustice. He freaking took his hand through his chest. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I was like, it doesn't. Also, I was getting, um, I even put this on a post on Twitter. Um, I was just getting when uh, Joker's like, Oh, you need me. We need each other. I'm like, what is this Lego Batman? Because that's mm -hmm. the whole premise of Lego Batman. And Joker's like, you need me, Batman. And Batman's like, I don't need you. I don't need anyone. And then Joker mm -hmm. proceeds to cry. And I was like, I was getting those vibes. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, I'm not, I'm not. I was under the impression. I've got the thought that it was Dark Side that had killed Lois, not not the Joker. I don't know what the Joker's around there for, other than just to you know kind of you know sell tickets i suppose um dark side killed lois why would superman work for dark side because dark side has done something to him hmm. without okay. without without lois there's no there's no there's no point is that at least that's that's the idea that's the the idea i've got i'm not sure mm -hmm. I, I probably have to watch it again in about a month's time just to kind of get there but um yeah, I was kind of a bit nonplussed about it, to be fair. I think, I suppose, mm -hmm. the end bit, the best thing I liked about it was the fact it showed um, older Flash. So it ties mm -hmm. into Batman versus Superman, where Flash goes back in time and tells him, Bruce, Bruce, Lois is the key, Lois is the key. Um, yeah. um, but other than that, no, again, it's Joker. I'm sick of seeing Joker. Um, yeah. For me, I think big screen. I think Heath Ledger in and Christian Bale's probably probably the best interaction. I think for me, it's probably at the end where they're in the building. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, do you think do you think I was gonna beat you in a fight? No, I'm fighting for something greater than that. I'm fighting for the soul of the city and Batman's all like, you know, he's got faith because they they're not gonna blow each other up and stuff. I think that that sort of like intimate dialogue is that is what i really like and then obviously when he drops off the um building and bats catches him he says you just you just couldn't do it you just couldn't let me die you know we're gonna do this forever and you're like uh yep <laughs> okay um so for me that, that that's kind of like i mean the interrogation scene i absolutely agree with you it's an absolute key part of that movie um you know because people don't realize that you know the He's, he's telling the joke right there. He's telling people the wrong address to get them to, to you know, to, to make their own choices and stuff. Um, yeah, a bit pointless, I thought. Um, I was, I would have been quite happy. 
I would have been quite happy to end on the on the barge with with Deathstroke. I, I would have been okay with that. Um, I didn't see the point of the Martian, the extra Martian bit because he's done nothing in the movie. Um, I don't know. It's just it's again that overindulgence element. I think that kind of just just because you can do something doesn't mean you should always do it. <laughs> there you go. There's a motto for life. Yeah. Just because you could buy a Marvel comic doesn't mean you have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. So finally, so out of three, out of five, give us a give us a score for for the old uh, Snyder Cup movie. Then out of five, out of five, how many stars would you give it? I will give it a, a three point five, if not four, out of five, because like you said, it's slow at the beginning. And I hate the the and the slow mo and girl sniffing coat and. <laughs> hey, each just, to their own. Each to their own. I know, but like, come on, come there on. Might be, some, might be something fishy about that scene. <laughs> um, I'm <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit harsher. I'm going three, three stars um, for me. It was, you know, I. Yeah, the first the the Whedon cut has its issues. It does. But I don't know. I, it it it's all right. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. So, but hey ho. All right, there you go. That's it for this week. Um, thank you, Freya, for joining us. No, no problem. It's just <laughs> us league. Um, don't forget to check the UCPN for all of your favorite um, shows, Freya. Um, K-pop Cosmos and this upcoming week, um, I kind of bended my own rules. So <laughs> you've gone through the speed, you've traveled the speed of light. I, oh no, I broke some rules. Yeah, damn it, Freya. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. Which rule did you break? Um, this group is more of a rock group than pop, <gasps> but they still technically have the K-pop logo attached to them. So, <laughs> so it's K-rock. Yep. All right. Okay. Excellent. Interesting sounds. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, and of course, don't forget Flipside, which is coming to you live on Thursday, uh, 2 p.m. EST. Um, check out YouTube and all your local places where shows air. Um, Freya, thanks very much. No, no problem. Maybe we'll be back to full speed next time. Who knows? Mm -hmm. All right, guys. This is Johnny Machine Hughes. Saying adios. <laughs>